for our final podcast of 2022, we are honored to have artist and pastor Jolyn McElroy of First Christian Church of Charlotte, North Carolina. Jolyn brings to us this holiday season the topic of using your creativity and approaching your spiritual life through the eyes of an artist. Welcome to Art Ladders, The Creative Climb with Valerie Allen and Armin Mersman. This podcast is focused on interviews, features, and stories about art. It's for artists and art lovers. I'm Val. I'm the abstract artist in the group, joined by Armin, the realist. Hello, and welcome to Art Ladders, The Creative Climb. This is a podcast for all of you out there this holiday season. I'm Val, and I'm so happy to be here with you. Today, we have a very special guest. We have JoLynn Melkelroy, and I'm hoping I pronounced your last name correctly, JoLynn McElroy. Pretty close. McElroy, that's it. Okay, awesome. And she is the with the First Christian Church of Charlotte out in North Carolina. I first met JoLynn at a an exhibition of Armands held at Black Mountain in uh, North Carolina as well near Asheville. And we had a wonderful uh, couple of days out there. But Armin has known her quite a while. So I'm anxious to get into this podcast so I can catch up and, and know as much as Armin knows, right? So um, JoLynn has her Bachelor of Fine Arts from the Colorado State University. And in the mid-90s, she did a career shift and went and attended the Lexington Theological Seminary for her Master's in Divinity. And she made a shift from art into theology. And that's what she's going to talk about today as she leads the first Christian church out there in Charlotte. And I'm happy we can have her during this holiday season. So Armin, are you ready to catch up with your friends? I, I, am, I am ready to catch up years and years of uh, <laughs> things we have done. Uh, we worked together, gosh, it must be 30 years or close to that. And, and, uh, in a place called <laughs> Goods of Evanston, which was a framing art supply store, and uh, mm -hmm. have a lot of fond memories. I'm sure we'll get into some of those uh, as we continue our conversation here. So welcome to our show, Jolene. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored to be here. I'm glad to be with both of you and Armin. It's great to be able to catch up and and relive some things together. I, I We sure have had some profound experiences together yes, in yes, those days. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And just the small amount of time I spent with you, Jolyn, out there in North Carolina, I just your conversational skills are wonderful. And I'm I'm hoping that it'll just be a nice conversation. And I know it will be. We, we had some great talks out there. Well, I'm a paid speaker, man. Yeah, you <laughs> are. are. You, you bring it. That's right. So now I read a little bit of your background and I would like to know what shifted you? What was the plan? You planned to make a living in art and then there was a huge shift. Right. Yeah. I, you know, I've always been um, a person. Our family was always involved in the church. I grew up in the Christian church, Disciples of Christ. 
which is an offshoot of the Presbyterians. Um, I came to find out later, and this was Armin, this was after I knew you. I came to, came to find out, it was probably around the year 2002 or 2003, that my great, great grandfather was a circuit rider, which was one of those preachers that goes on a horse and goes from oh, church, okay. church to church and preaches a circuit. Right, right. Or what eventually became the Disciples of Christ out in Tennessee. And that was on one side of my dad's family. And the other side of my dad's family, his grandfather, my great grandfather, was the pastor of the first Christian church of Dodge City, Kansas. Oh, my gosh. And I'm the pastor of the first Christian church of Charlotte, North Carolina. But you had no idea of that before? I did not know. Oh, I, my goodness. I did not know. So I was raised in the faith and my dad obviously grew up in the disciples because his both of his parents his dad was a preacher's kid which I didn't know growing up and his mom was a preacher's grandkid which I didn't know growing up and so dad was always very involved and my mom was involved in the church and you know that was always a big part of my life but I wanted to be an artist and that was my that was my plan there were very few women in ministry at that time as pastors, I mean, and it never dawned on me that that would be a thing I would do. It just seemed right, right. Um, like, why would I so do that? You went to art school. Tell me a little bit about growing up in art. And I know you also play the guitar. So you were yeah. involved in both of those. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm an only child. Me too. Yeah. See, so what do you do? You sit in the corner with your crayons. Eventually that, you know, sometimes you can get your mom's lipstick that smears really well. You can make some really great drawings with some lipstick. I I didn't do that so much, (laughs) Julie. Well, if you don't have pastel chalks and your mom gets old Avon samples, you can do some cool things. But um, so, you know, I, 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 I loved drawing and the guitar was another only child thing. Well, you know, go off in the corner and play your guitar. When we have guests over, we could parade you out. You can play guitar. So it was that kind of thing. And um, I thought I was going to be a cartoonist when I was really little. The, um, you know, the Chicago papers and the, the tremendous cartoonists, the editorial cartoonists were extraordinary when I was growing up. Where did you grow up? What? Where did you grow up? Mount Mount Prospect. Okay. So northwest suburbs of Chicago. And we got all the Chicago papers. And my mom was in politics. Eventually, she was in the League of Women Voters when I was a little kid. But we got, I mean, we got all those. We got the Sun-Times and the Tribune and the Daily Herald. And, you know, eventually just the Tribune but um, and the Herald. But, I mean, you were looking for the coolest new cartoon and that was also at the time of like shoe and like bloom county came out and such amazing drawings on some of those cartoons and so i really wanted to be a cartoonist and mm-hmm. um and then i switched and and decided when i was going into college i thought well i could go into music or i could and i could do guitar and music and singing or i could go into fine art and of course, everybody was like, fine art. What are you going to do with that? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you, you, I'm sure you two know this conversation, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. I'll go into commercial art. That's what I'll do, right? right. Which 
I don't know if either of you said that, but I sure did. So Colorado State University had a pretty good commercial art program. Um, uh, Professor Sorby uh, was his name, and he had this huge, huge um, uh, following. And so I kind of thought, well, I'll go in for commercial art. Um, And midway through uh, college, I realized I hated it. It was like, you know, I, it was like, I, I just, I would look at something and I'd be like, okay, so I'm working on a book jacket. And <laughs> so I'm like doing this book jacket and it's about, you know, whatever, it's about politics or something. Mm-hmm. And so the cover is red. Would it be better if it was blue? I don't know. Hey, you, come here. If this were blue, would that be better? You know, I, I just, I was... It, I I couldn't get it. I, I I had enough skill to be able to, and of course you had to take those core classes. So I had to do figures, right. and, oh, and this was before do, computer stuff too. It was just at the very cutting edge beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, you didn't have email then, right, 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 right. But you did have a little bit of computer graphics, but they were sad. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't just like change out your cover and click on it and make it blue. You had to imagine. Then you had to get those those letters that you rub on. Oh, yeah. To, oh, sure. You know, and you had to design your typeface and the whole mess. So um, but oh. I hated it. And there was we had these artists and I was also taking a painting class. I took a painting class just because mm-hmm. I had to. I had to have another elective and I loved it. Oh, I mean, I started out like not sure I could do this and it was oil painting and dang, I was like, oh, and I was thinking about the painting all the time. Like what I was working, I was going back and working extra. The figure figures classes, I sat the very front and to get the closest view of the model. Everybody else is like way back there. They're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm just like right up there. Uh-huh. And, um, and I just, I just took to it and loved it. And um, I found that in painting, I really wasn't encouraged to paint about my faith. And the art history- By whom? By whom were you not- Professors. Yeah, it was, it was abstract expressionism was the- Mm-hmm. That was the that was the bread and butter of my professors. Sure. Abstract expressionism. And then some pop art, you know, had kind of come in that some mm-hmm. Andy Warhol had visited our campus like two years before I got there. So I missed all that cool thing. Mm-hmm. James Rosenquist came and visited. I mean, oh, you know, like yeah. this cool, uh-huh. you know, folks. But yeah. they had that legacy when I got there. So it just seemed like, wow, this is a cool happening place. Mm-hmm. Um and I had these great professors, but the faith thing was like, like I tried to do um, a painting once. I tried to do a painting that was like, had angels in it. And I had this professor be like, you know, these things kind of come off as hokey. Oh. <laughs> you know, like you can't really. And I was like, really? Because it was this, I think I was trying to paint a dream I'd had. Uh-huh. And it was like, you know, these things. And so I realized if I was going to paint things about faith, that I had to sort of do it in code. Yeah. Oh. Like, more, more symbolism and narratives buried into your right. work. Right. So if I did a portrait of a woman with a clock behind her head 
Mm-hmm. Sort of looks like a halo, doesn't it? It does, yeah. So I did that kind of stuff. And Ooh. then I would put words in the background. I would like write out stuff and then I would paint over the words. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just have stuff buried in there that would have meaning to me. But to a lot of the people, it wouldn't have meaning. Interesting. A surreal and, approach in a way. Well, and I and I painted on found objects. I did a lot uh-huh. of them. Painted on blinds and oh. and things like that. Um, I just I I and I I kind of had layers of things happening. Mm-hmm. And um, my work was always very painterly. Mm-hmm. And we had this um, we had this guest come in the commercial art group um, that I was the the commercial art class I was I was in. And she gave this like talk about what it's really like out there in the world of commercial art. And she said, your job, there are, you know, a million other people that want your job if you're in commercial art and you have to love it and you have to dedicate your life to it. You have to eat, sleep and breathe commercial art. And she just went on and on. And I thought, you know, that's what they say about painting. And I actually like painting. (laughs) Right. Eat, sleep, and breathe. Green painting, Doing yes. Cigarette ads. Uh, I mean, you know, like I just well, they, well, you also had an art director then that will take your ideas and completely, you know, step into them. I did a I did a cover of Joan of Arc for something for a, for a musical this year, and I had to put all this imagery in, and it got to the point where. I felt almost it was too much imagery, but, but but it came out nice and the production was fabulous. And so I had to read about that whole uh, that whole story of Joan of Arc, but it was kind of an amazing project. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it is a cool thing to see your piece kind of used in a good way for something right to see to see that connection being made between your piece and a, a play that is a cool thing I mean that's sort of what I thought I was getting ready to do but um the painting just sort of grabbed me and I realized I that's what I needed to do um and then after college I went to work in art supply stores because what are you going to do when you're right. <laughs> I painted apartments one summer I painted apartments that was my parents were so proud so <laughs> You can make a living painting, see? <laughs> yeah, you did. Art major, art history minor, and she's painting apartments. Oh. Fabulous. So, um, and then I worked at um I worked at Van Art, I worked at the Palatine Art Center, and then I worked at um, Van Art became Creative World, and um, and then I got this job at Goods of Evanston, mm-hmm. and that's where I met Armin. Mm-hmm. And um, I was still trying to paint, and it, it's you know, as you know, it's hard when you've got this full time job. Mm-hmm. It's sort of an exhausting job. You're in art materials all day long, mm-hmm. and and it's it was a physical job. You know, it was getting up on a ladder and getting stuff off of the top hook, and it was you know, it was running to there were there was a need over here going up a staircase to get this and that which, you know, as a young person, wasn't that big a deal, but I was tired at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And um, having the brain space and bandwidth to create art was harder and harder. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then we had this, this, well, this friend that was part of Goods of Evanston, a man named Tom Maxwell, who was a picture framer. And he was the sweet, I call him a mother hen, yeah. sweet guy. Um, but catty. He was a lot of things. He could be sweet, but he could also be quite catty and a little oh, yeah. bit vindictive. Um, mm. But he was sort of a, a good friend in the midst of all of that. And I think he took us younger folks under his wing a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, during that time, I got the opportunity to go hear Desmond Tutu speak at the Disciples mm. of Christ Convention in 1993 wow. so so that's our year Armin yes. <laughs> that's, that's your year era, right so <laughs> 1993 and by that time I was living uptown mm-hmm. um and I was or I guess I was living in um Edgewater Beach okay mm-hmm. uh North Chicago right mm-hmm. so um and uh, I went to hear Desmond Tutu speak at this conference. And while I was there, it was, a, you know, it's a major denominational conference. Mm-hmm. And it was in St. Louis. And all these people from all these churches from all over the country were there and all over the world were at this thing here in mm-hmm. Desmond Tutu speak. And in conversations with people, they'd ask, you know, they'd say, oh, well, you know, well, I think such and so, you know, they were coming up with a new hymnal, for example. And I was like, you know, if you're going to have a hymnal, people said, well, we shouldn't have hymns in Spanish. I'm like, if you've got people in your church that speak Spanish, by gum, let them sing their songs. What is mm-hmm. the matter with you? Mm-hmm. I mean, isn't the, isn't the goal to get people to connect to God? And why are we like saying, oh, you can only do that in English? It's dumb. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I was in these conversations and they would be like, oh, now, are you still in school? And I'd say, um, oh, no, I, I graduated in 1990. And they'd say, oh, so where's your church? And I'd say Arlington Heights, Illinois. And they were like, oh, so are you an associate pastor there? Or are you a pastor there? And I was like, what? Are you nuts? <laughs> no, I'm not a pastor. Oh, please. I'm an artist. I'm no pastor. And so that's kind of how those conversations went. Oh my gosh, that is great. And it was over and over and over during this conference. Oh. And so going and back to me, time then, what so so there was I was a major shift in your life, I think, at that time. It was. I left that conference saying, I'm not doing this. I'm not going into the minute. But I had so many people just assuming oh. past. Yes. So I decided I would pray, like get a prayer life. I would pray. I had a devotional book. I was going to read these devotions, and these, you know, and write out these prayers. And that was going to be, I was going to kind of work on my inner life. Mm-hmm. And I get back from this conference. And within a month, Tom Maxwell comes to us and tells us he has full blown AIDS. Mm-hmm. And it was like a shockwave through all of the whole store really that that store was a real family i mean i've never i've never had anything before since then that you know didn't age didn't matter uh nothing mattered everybody was just on board and and uh 
I learned, you know, I, I met a lot of really well-known artists there and uh, we all talked art. It was, I got more from working at Goods than I did from any school I ever went to. It was a, it was truly a community in a way that a lot of workplaces are not. And to their credit, there were two people that worked at Goods of Evanston that were battling AIDS. And back then AIDS was a death sentence. You yeah. got, you were HIV positive. Mm-hmm. That was, it was, it was pretty much almost over. Mm-hmm. And there were two people in mm-hmm. who worked at Goods who had AIDS and they fought to keep them on their health insurance. They did whatever they could because this was back in the 90s. You did not have universal health care or anything like it. And so they they even even though they were part timers, they were allowed to stay on the health insurance, which made it expensive. Mm -hmm. But they did it. And so I have to say, to their credit, the goods people, they could have done a lot of things. But I feel like they did the right thing with with Tom and and with with Michael Biller. Mm-hmm. Um, so Tom had this day, it was um, Halloween and we had inventory and um, I was there for inventory and I was leaving. I, I was kind of leaving as he was coming in and they had us get there real early because they wanted to get the inventory done bef- a lot done before the store opened. Right. Mm-hmm. Tom was coming in to wait on customers and I was, you know, counting paintbrushes. So um, Tom comes in and he's shaken and he's like, he's obviously in a lot of distress and he's trying to wait on this customer and he keeps running to the bathroom and coming back and he's just very flustered. And I looked at that and went, this man shouldn't be here. He shouldn't be waiting on customers he needs to go home or probably to the hospital or something. And so I asked our supervisor if I could take over his customer and then take him home. And so I, I did that and I took Tom Maxwell to his home, which is a kind of a funny story, but I won't get into all of it. Um, and then in that time with him, I realized you know, he needed more than just for me to drop him off at his home. He was he was a wreck. He needed to go to the hospital. Well, yeah, and he was too. I mean, in that time too, I became the manager, and then I had to make some decisions. You know, we don't want to get too much into this. this yeah, story. I had to make so, some very hard. So decisions. it was, yeah. So it was in that it was that experience that made me say. Because, you know, part of the reason I had said I didn't want to go into the ministry is I knew I couldn't handle a crisis Mm -hmm. and that pastors handled crises all the time. And that, you know, I just didn't want to be the first person everybody called when there was some kind of horrible thing that happened. And then I handled this crisis with Tom Maxwell. And I did. I mean, you did. And I remember you and me and Eric even cleaning his place when we didn't know anything about AIDS. We didn't know how it was spread for sure. and. I could see you develop, you know, uh, your personality developed in a different way after that. Now, kind of going back to the art part of it, I know that I think we even did a show together up up north, and we, I don't know, we split first prize or yeah. something. Is <laughs> yeah. that what happened? We did. Yeah. Yeah. So I have the picture. 
Um, but um, if you want to see it, but um, so Armin and I both entered a show, a portrait show, and it was portraits inside and out. And um, Armin had one of his portraits that he, I was yours, was yours the one of your mother? Or was it a self-portrait? It must have been a self-portrait because my mom was still okay. alive at that point. So it okay. must have been a self-portrait. So that's what it was. It was the self-portrait that you had done, which was, of course, very harmony. It was yeah. very <laughs> meticulous and it was very um, exacting, you know. Mm -hmm. And mine are these bright splashes of color and all this kind of crazy so, and mine was huge. It was like this 50 by, I don't know, 50 by 40 huge canvas. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of talked about it ahead of time. We were like, okay, if I get in, you're not getting in. And if you're getting, I'm not getting, you know, we kind of uh -huh. were like, we, our work is so different. And don't you know, we both got in and split the, the, the best in show. Yeah, that's it was a, a trip. That that's the only so time fun. that's ever happened to me that, you know, they split that. And it was, it was, it was so much fun, and also, you know, the, the, how different we worked, and uh, so that's a, that was a good memory. Um, so at some point, you know, you I mean you kept doing art and you played music, and uh, at some point you left. Right. What was I, it was. It was. I'm telling you, it was Tom Maxwell. I mean, once that thing happened with Tom Maxwell, it was like, okay, I had a good friend who was a painter from, um, I'd known him from college. And we were talking and he was like, chilling. And we were talking about religion at some point. I, it's not like I never talked about religion, right, Armin? No, no, I know you did. <laughs> and I was never like, I, I hope I wasn't preachy. I think no, it was you weren't. You, me you and I and I was just earnest about right. my feelings on things and so we were talking about something and it rolled around a religion and he just said Jolyn would you just go to seminary and I was like oh don't start this with me again and he's like look you said you didn't want to do this because you couldn't handle a crisis well your mm -hmm. friend Tom this happened you handled a crisis so what's your excuse now and I was like, well, you know, I just don't want to. And, you know, and he finally said, would you just think about it? Would you just like maybe just consider it one class? Would you just take one class? So I took a class. I finally agreed. OK, I will take one class. And I took a class at Northwestern. OK, which was in Evanston, which was where the art store was, you know, mm -hmm. and they have a they have a divinity school there. So I took a class. It was for lay people and people going into the ministry. So I thought, well, I could use that whether I go in or not. And I could just see. And I get in this class and I'm like, yeah, these are my people. I am <laughs> like these people. Like I'm this like church nerd like these folks are. <laughs> interesting so it was then I said okay this is what I'm doing and I started looking at seminaries and I made the decision to go to Lexington in in part because I had a free ride there and I also had a massive scholarship I actually my first uh kind of surprise of seminary was that I made more money as a graduate student than I did at the art store. 
Oh my God. Oh uh, yeah. I, <laughs> between. That's probably the, true. I, I mean, because I, because I got the, I had the church that I was serving as a student pastor. So I got a stipend from that. And uh-huh. then I had a major, huge scholarship and I had a stipend from that. And yeah. then I had this free ride thing. So it was pretty extraordinary um, that I was actually better off mm-hmm. <laughs> or as a poor seminarian um so um, yeah i know you weren't you weren't part of that but you have any questions for jolyn how you know how this art and 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 then that turned into because you didn't quit art no yeah that, yeah that was my tie-in well, with you yeah yeah so i didn't quit art but i thought i had to See, in the art world, in the art world, I thought you couldn't really be religious because I had sort of thought you had to hide the religiosity of your work. Um, And then in the ministry world, I didn't know how artists tied into ministry at all. And I didn't see a, a, you know, like if I had been a musician, I could have played beautiful music and had that be part of the service or whatever. Like if I had written things, I could write, you know, eloquent, you know, Mm-hmm. And poetry that could be read in a worshipful way or whatever, or written into the sermons even. But with art, it was like, well, you know, this doesn't fit. I even had, I even had a, a pastor say that to me. Well, it's just, they're, they, they are not compatible. So you'll have to pick one. Mm-hmm. And so when I went into the ministry, I thankfully, thanks be to God, I had this, um, mentor we were all assigned mentors if we were serving in a local congregation as um i was i part another reason i picked lexington seminary was i felt you know if this was a god thing and if god really wanted me to be a minister then god was wanting me to be a pastor because i really wasn't interested in other kinds of ministry i wasn't interested in being Christian education minister or, you know, a, a choir director or a, a, a pastor in charge of the youth or something. I, I knew working with adults was my thing and preaching was probably my thing, but I'd never had the opportunity. So I knew that I had to, if I was going to do this as a woman, I really needed the experience of preaching at a, at a congregation. And Lexington could promise me you can serve as the pastor of a church all three years. Uh, these We have these little country churches and you can go and you can be the pastor. You can learn the ropes and do all the stuff. So I was like, okay. So they gave me this mentor. His name was Dave Hartman. And uh, he sat me down and he said, now listen, Dr. Lynn tells me that you paint. And I said, well, I do. And I said, but it doesn't have anything to do with being a pastor. He's like, well, how are you going to use it in ministry? I'm like, well, it doesn't. And he said, I want to see your paintings. So I took him to my room and I showed him all my paintings. And he was like, Jolyn, this is a gift. And it is a gift from God. And you don't spit on a gift from God. You use it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to require you as my student to do a prayer sketchbook. I don't even know what that means, but I'm telling you, you're going to do it. And you're going to every week when we meet, you're going to bring that sketchbook and you're going to show me you've done at least something 
in that prayer sketchbook every week. It doesn't have to be every day, but I want you to do something. And I looked at him and I just said, thank you. Mm -hmm. I mean, thank you. And I did, I, I did this prayer sketchbook and I found that there, there are ways that um, it's kind of like that artist's way, the artist's way yes. book, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of get you to tap into something deeper there mm -hmm. by writing and sketching, even when you wake up in the morning and that kind of thing. Well, the prayer sketchbook will do that. Mm -hmm. And um, so I started doing that. And some of those prayers became really significant pieces to my own development as an artist. And you know, I, I found myself kind of going back to various themes. I would, I would sometimes draw out my sermon before I wrote it. Oh. Uh, I'd read the scripture and read it again and read it again. I, there was one where I, it was a, it was a scripture about David, um, Samuel going to, to make David King. And David was a young boy at the time and sort of like the runt of the litter <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and certainly not King material, but God had told Samuel that he was going to, he was going to tell Samuel when the king, when he was before the king, uh, the king to be. And, um, so I sat down and I decided I was going to draw David. And that was, that was that. And I drew this kid and all of that. And I thought, well, this isn't really the, the heart of this, is it? It's really about Samuel, isn't it? And I reread and reread. And then I started drawing Samuel, this old, old man. And I started imagining what, what did this old man think mm -hmm. of making a kid the next king? And you know, that whole, how old people, oh, the world has gone to pot. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, oh, the kids today, mm -hmm. you know? And I just started thinking about that and it just became a whole different sermon. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I, I did some of that. Um, and then when I came here to uh, Charlotte from 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 Kentucky, I went to Virginia um, and I went to the D.C. area. I, I, I worked at a mental hospital as a chaplain there for a summer. And then I got a call to a church there as the youth pastor. But it was a great big church. And I felt like, well, you know, you pay your dues. Mm -hmm. You serve as a as a associate pastor at a place like that. And then you kind of find your way. And that church, um, you know, it, it, I learned a lot. There were a lot of nice people, but it, it wasn't a fit as far as the arts and ministry piece for sure. Um, and when I came here to first Christian Charlotte, I included that as part of my interview process. I talked about being a pastor and a painter and how would you feel about be, about having a pastor with an easel in their office. And they were like, well, could we come look at what you were working on? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure. Um, and when I first got here, I did some portraits of the church members. And that was part of my like get to know you process. Oh, okay. I did pastel because pastel's quick, chalk portraits. Um, at the, and we'd figure out a time, usually on a Saturday morning, I had my first year here. It was like, and I picked one person from each family. So you didn't have all the, all the Joneses and none of the Bartlett's or whatever. Right. Like you had one person, I just sort of tried to strategically pick maybe somebody I wouldn't know otherwise, maybe like, you know, the, the, the wife was very active in the church, but I, I didn't really know the husband or vice versa. Mm -hmm. 
And mm-hmm. so I picked the one that I didn't really know um, sometimes. And then sometimes it was just like, oh, no, I'm not having my portrait made. You can do him. You know, it was that sort of thing. Right, right. Um, if there was a teenager in the church and they had siblings, I tried to do, you know, the multiple kids in the family if I could. Right. Um, because I think there's something about teenagers. Teenagers want to be seen. Mm-hmm. They just do. Mm-hmm. And doing teenager portraits, that is a way to say, I see you. I see what you're like. You're mm-hmm. worth putting on paper, you know. So um, so I did all these portraits of these church members and we framed them and we put them up in the main stairwell of the church. And over time, I added to them. And then as people died, I would give the family that portrait that I had done of their loved one right. so that we don't have a, a whole lot of pictures of now dead people staring at us and wishing we were doing church their way. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> like they are at home with their yeah. loved ones. And I mean, um, art is such a way of expressing yourself and being a preacher, you express yourself and in religion, the Bible. It seems to me that somebody that does that can use that in a different way than just uh than just being on the pulpit. And yeah. I I, I, Joanne, love hearing about the, okay, so way, way back when you were in the commercial art in and you were enthralled with cartooning, okay, so that's a storytelling method right there. Yeah, it's true. And then, you know, you, you had this, uh, you know, awakening that you handled crises very well. And so that led down the path. And then finally, here you are intertwining almost, and I do the artist way, the journaling that you talk about. Mm-hmm. And so that prayer sketchbook ties right back to art. Mm-hmm. And here you are. And now you have it in this church setting, but you've kept your personal language as well. I think it's wonderful. Well, you know, that whole handle a crisis thing, I've got to give credit where credit's due. That wasn't me. That was God. I completely yeah. oh. believe But I will say that, you know, part of my prayer language, part of my language with God is painting. Like if I'm, have you ever had that experience where you're working on something and it's just like something beyond you is, is doing some of the heavy lifting, right? Is, Is shifting some things and changing your vision of what it ought to be or guiding your hand or whatever it is. But you have this experience of something bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And so in one of my theology classes, they had us read this um, author or theologian, I guess. His name was Schleiermacher. And he wrote, I know, big, long name, but he wrote this um, kind of a dissertation uh, or a kind of like a, I don't know, it was like a, an argument and it was for the cultured despisers of religion. And it, that's who it was addressed to. It was addressed to kind of like the elite people who love the arts, mm-hmm. you know, but who kind of felt themselves too, too good or too big for God. And that the new thing is, you know, like scrap the church and go with the arts. Mm -hmm. And he said that feeling that you have 
when you're standing in front of some extraordinary artwork and it's like this overwhelming feeling or when you're listening to music and you're just caught up in it and you're almost transported. That feeling, you would call it the muse or you would call it any number of things, create creative genius or whatever. But that that feeling that you can't quite explain, that's like a, a deepness and a and a resonant joy. I would call that God. And you are already in it and you're already doing it. And you don't know what it's called. You know, yeah. so that that was his essay. And I and it was almost like a tuning fork. You know, I read this. It was like, ah! Yes, that is exactly how I feel about it. So, you know, the art piece, it really is a kind of a prayer language. And um, I -hmm. got in the last couple of years, I've realized like, so I know my life is crazy and it is, and I don't have a whole heck of a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've gotten away from the portraits, not because I wanted to, but just, life got in the way. Um, So I've gotten away from the portraits, the chalk portraits of the church members. Um, But I had this, this woman had, um, had commissioned me to do a portrait of her son. And so I worked on this portrait and I happened to be working on it. It was right around can't remember some crazy time in the life of the church that I was trying to get this thing done for her. And I realized that it really wasn't taking away from my work at the church. Like, you know how, as you're working on your work, you walk away and you do the dishes, right? You're really still working on your work in your head. You know what I mean? Like, Carmen, you know that, right? I have no idea. You know about that, right? (laughs) <laughs> you might be like, we're, you might be making dinner, but in your head, you're thinking, if only I'd made that purple, or mm-hmm. if only I had changed, you know what, the problem with that is the lighting, and I should change the light source, or whatever the thing is that you're working on, you're like, oh, I need to do a new canvas, and it needs to be from this angle, because that's the better, you're doing the, all that in your head, and I realized that as I'm painting, I can be doing some of the crafting of sermons in oh, my head. Sure. Oh, yeah. You know, or I can be thinking through the logistical issues, the 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 kind of life issues that are facing our church in my Don't head. Don't you feel that it's kind of a yeah. sanctuary when you're painting and uh, you think deeper about things and yes. closer to things? Um, myself, who's an agnostic, I, 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 there's a certain kind of magic that I feel. And I guess I just don't try to pin that down into something, but there is something that I don't understand that drives me. And the more it drives me, the more excited that I get about it. And the more, the Mm -hmm. less I want to draw, you know, a glass of water with a fork in it or something, you know, the more I want to say something with my art, be it social or political or personal, but not just represent something. And uh, I think that's a beautiful place to be. The shape of content, Ben Sean, that's it. And that's what he says, mm. you know, art is the shape of your content. Yeah. So. And your content, it, you know, if you can have some powerful, deep content, it it does, it makes a difference in, in your um, oh, motivation, right? And your joy that you take in it. Now, Val's an abstractionist and, and she goes by that feel with marks and, 
Mm-hmm. You know, that's very akin to that, wouldn't you say, Val? Oh, yes, absolutely. And Jolene, you you talked about having that feeling of who did this or where did this come from? That's that's mm. when you know, I, that's how I measure that I'm on the right track. Mm. When I can go into that almost, uh, it's almost like dreamlike state and then wake up the next morning, look at the painting and go, oh my goodness, who did that? Right. That's such a crazy feeling. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's just nuts. I'm with you. Yeah. And I found that, you know, I, so I get to this church and I find that there are these artists that start to kind of, I mean, we, it's not like the church is made up of artists of, you know, like it's not, I look out on the congregation and it's, you know, 30 of them are artists. It's more like, you know, a person here, a person there kind of finds their way to us Mm -hmm. and we wind up kind of having a connection and um and so now we have a at our church we have a fine arts team that oh, that's great that is like it's it's the fine arts team is not made up of just artists there are a couple artists on the team with me mm-hmm. but it's people who appreciate and love art and really kind of see that as one of our um kind of visions for w- what we want to mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. and so we have outings to the art museums and art mm-hmm. shows and that um I did a sermon series on art painting and art and I just decided uh to just pull out different kind of ways of making art so you know I had iconography for example well that's a pretty mm-hmm. obvious mm-hmm. religious tie-in right sure. yes but I had read um, a book by Makoto Fujimura. I don't know if you know Makoto Fujimura, Mako. He's, no. a, he's an abstract, mostly, painter. Uh-huh. Works in um, Japanese watercolor. It's called Nihanga is his process. Oh. And it's, you know, that medieval ground pigment. All oh, the- yeah with the rabbit skin glue, like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole way that you do it that is the appropriate Japanese way to do Nihanga. And he was American and he went off to Japan to go study under a master mm-hmm. and learn all of the things and do all of the stuff. And he had a religious experience and became Christian. Huh. Going to Japan. <laughs> like, so, um, so, and it was because he was looking at his work and it was so beautiful. I mean, his work, his, his abstract pieces tend to be, you know, these tremendous colors of this ground pigment, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like the the purest blue mm-hmm. of, say, a cobalt or a cerulean or whatever you would call it, a lapis lazuli, mm-hmm. like ground up and then layers and layers. And it just has this depth. And he was looking at this and he thought, I am not worthy of this beauty Mm. like this came from beyond me I'm not I you know I'm just a guy (laughs) here I am in front of like what is this feeling I'm I'm feeling Mm -hmm. about this and that's when he decided to visit a a church Uh uh, that was an American church that had been a missionary church to convert people in Japan to Christianity Mm-hmm. But um, but anyway, so I read this book by Mako Fujimura 
mm-hmm. um, where he talked about Van Gogh's Starry Night. And he talked about how in Starry Night, which we can all envision, I mean, we mm-hmm. all know the painting. Mm-hmm. So you have this tremendous sky that's like alive. It's just mm-hmm. fire and swirls and life everywhere and brilliance everywhere in the sky. And you have this cute little sleepy little town mm-hmm. underneath this sky. And we come to now know that he sort of invented that, right? He that mm-hmm. it was supposed to be looking out the window of his asylum window, mm-hmm. but that the where the town he put the town where he wanted it to be, that it didn't right. quite fit up with, with. But anyway, so he did that. Um, and um in the little sleepy town, the darkest part of the town is the church. Wow. Because he had had such profound problems mm-hmm. with the church. In his own life. Yeah, he wanted to be a minister at one point. He did. And they dissed him and they moved him out to the middle of nowhere and then they sort of dropped him. And so he made the church the dark place and he made the the night sky alive Mm -hmm. and the town having the twinkling lights. And so I did a sermon about that. And Mm -hmm. I decided that would be the beginning of my series, sermon Mm -hmm. series about art. So Mm -hmm. we talked about Van Gogh's Starry Night. And then we talked about, we talked about icons. That was an easy second thing. I talked about public art being the generous thing it is. Public art is free to anyone who, you know, it's like, it's like a gift. Mm-hmm. It's a gift from your from your community to you, from this artist you like however it came to be, whether it was sponsored by somebody with a lot of money who just wanted to make it happen and wanted to honor a loved one or something, or if it was, mm-hmm. you know, something that the that the city council decided to go ahead and do, but but it's this generous thing and you don't have to be anybody special to go see it. You mm-hmm. can just drive by and <laughs> like take your picture next to it or whatever and experience it. And so I talked about the generosity of public art and and then I show I showed pictures of our public art around Charlotte. And I oh, went to some nice. places where people are not really, they don't really realize like, you know, on the corner of this street and that street, there's this interesting little mosaic wall. Mm-hmm. And if you go down the street, there are a number of these little interesting mosaic walls that were sponsored at a certain point by the city of Charlotte to beautify this corridor. And each one has its own theme and each one has its own designs. And, you know, if you start really kind of looking for it, you can find some awesome public art. Mm-hmm. So wherever you are. Mm-hmm. So um, Great, so I nice. talked about that. And so, you know, that I think all of that kind of gave birth to this fine arts team. So we've gone to some art exhibits together and mm-hmm. the artists there in, in the group have kind of talked about some things to do. We, as a church, we participated in um, Art Day, which I, I don't know if you know about this, but all over the country, apparently on Labor Day, it's yard art day. And I didn't know that (laughs) wherever you are, you put yard art out. You make some kind of crazy thing and put it in your front yard. (laughs) Yard yard art. Yeah. So we made these funky flowers and we put them out in our front yard made out of sticks and wires and netting. And we had a little sign that said, consider the lilies. And it was like part of a scripture and, you know, so go part of art is play yes oh yeah and yeah. i don't think we have enough of it in our lives 
themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think artists sometimes, I'm not saying they take themselves too seriously, but they don't allow themselves to play after a while. Everything has to be a quote unquote masterpiece and mm. stop taking chances and they get ruts, yeah. get bored and, and, and stop it all together. So I think you, you, no matter what you do in art, you know, at times just have fun with it. You know, you it's never know what will happen, you know. You know, I, um, your decision-making was almost as if it wasn't decision-making. You were led this direction, right? Is there any words or pointers you can give to people as they start their careers? I'm talking probably college students and you're in there and you get in there and all of a sudden I shift degrees just like you did. I was in a design field, shifted to a fine art uh, just for the same reasons you're talking about. But, but knowing any pivot points that you found, maybe if you had somebody said to you, watch out for this, or if this happens to you, it might mean this, anything like that you could share. say, yeah, trust your gut. If you're miserable, get out of that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't yeah. do the thing. God doesn't want you to be miserable. Don't do the thing with your life that makes you miserable. Do the thing that where you, you know, Frederick Beekner, um, who is a tremendous writer, who Christian writer and preacher who died this past year. Um, he had this extraordinary thing that he said. He said, uh, the place that God calls you to is the place where the world's deep hunger and your deep gladness meet. Oh, that's, Ooh, a, that's a good, good. So if you are doing something that makes you really happy, but there's no like depth to it, that there's, you know, like it's, you love your work, but you're drawing cigarette ads, Mm -hmm. um, probably not helping the world, right. With Mm -hmm. what you're doing, then that probably isn't it. Or if you're, you know, and of course this is all from Frederick Buechner's little, little, soliloquy on this but you know if you're a doctor and you work in a leper colony and you're doing something really really meaningful but you hate it you're miserable well you're probably not doing your patients any good either Mm -hmm. so you know Mm -hmm. he says you need to look at this intersection between your deep hunger or the world's deep hunger and your deep gladness Mm -hmm. and it's got to be something where you get that and it doesn't mean that you're ecstatically happy but it's a deeper kind of joy about doing that meaningful thing that your heart knows you were made to do Mm -hmm. and you know I don't think that all through your art career that every piece you work on is going to give you that necessarily. There are commissions to be done and there are things that, you know, will make you some money that'll be, you know, that's okay. But at, at some point you will hit on those things Mm -hmm. that just are deep for you. Sometimes I talk to students as, you know, from looking at it on this side now that I'm 67 and am I where I wanted to be at 20 or 25? And I, yes, I'm still excited to be an artist. You know, the success is not, you know, a cover of art news, but it's done, it's done really well, but I'm still as passionate about it as before. I have the same, you know, I get, I take that same magic ride with every piece. And, uh, you know, so that's success for me as an artist. You know? I would say, Armin, another piece is your students. Yeah. I bet you that keeps you mm-hmm. engaged in life. 
still asking important questions, not caught in your own rut, exploring new ideas and things. Because I think artists, you know, we really kind of can't, as much as we'd like to go off in some corner and just paint all the time, Mm -hmm. the content comes from living life. Mm -hmm. So I know, and you know, as a teacher, I can't think of a better better opportunity to learn than being a teacher mm-hmm. and, you know, learning about people and learning about uh, their strengths, their weaknesses, their fears, you know, in a way, the way I teach, I, I certainly am not a preacher, but I, I certainly listen to them and mm-hmm. I try to push them in directions that will, where they can find some, you know, bits of magic. So This is, this is such a good conversation. And so I, I feel it's so appropriate for this holiday season when things get busy, artists uh, can feel a lot of stress from maybe commissions they're working on, that sort of thing. Or uh, you probably have ideas how artists, the journaling part, keep up with that, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. And any other holiday tips for artists? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I, um, I did this cool thing. I did Inktober this year. Oh, yeah. You know, and I I would really love for there to be an Adventober, kind of like an ink advent, yes. whatever, because that was Inktober. For those of you who don't know, it is a, basically a call for artists to just draw ink drawings through the month of October, mm-hmm. every day, a different one. Mm-hmm. And they give you these prompts that are these words like nest or um let's see what are some of the words bat was one of them one of them was trip you know and so you can take that word and you draw your little ink drawing and mm-hmm. it can be a very simple thing or it can be a really complicated thing depending on how much time you have mm-hmm. and the idea is all through October you do these drawings well if you could do something like that for yourself like every day just a little something mm-hmm. right like draw a little even if it's dumb a little, make a little star, mm-hmm. make a little, who knows, make a little something in your, mm. in your environment, a little candle, whatever uh-huh. in your environment, just a little something to get something on paper that yes. is you doing it. Cause you want to, and not because you have to, right, um, right. I think that's a, I think that's a piece of it. And yes. I also think, you know, give yourself permission because it does get to be a hectic time. Yeah. And if you make it drudgery, mm-hmm. it will be drudgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just play. I, <laughs> I always like, I always, for my prayer stuff, my prayer sketchbooks and stuff, mm-hmm. I always tried to find interesting paper to draw on. Or like, mm-hmm. sometimes I'd find things with a cool cover or something, mm-hmm. you know, just so it it would be interesting to go to. And it wouldn't feel like drudgery. I'm, well, I'm just it all inspires about, you, I would imagine. Yeah, I'm just yeah. all about you know allow yourself to enjoy what you're working on rather than have all of it because we all have those drudgery things we've got to do. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to be with you today, Jolyn. It's well, a Valerie, great conversation. Valerie, thank you so much for inviting me to do this. And Armin, great to see you again and talk with you again. Great to see you too. And and, uh, you're doing such a great job. I'm so happy where you arrived. Uh, uh, 
you know, you're you're a good friend, and I admire you greatly for for the life you have lived. Well, I admire you both as well, and I and I love both of y'all's work. It's been fun watching that, um, seeing all of those things um, on social media that yeah. we share. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Our sponsors, Golden Apple Studio and Residency, send a holiday message to all the artists and writers listening. Only you can make the art that comes from your creative journey and Golden Apple Residency wants you to know you are on the right road. Keep going. Happy holidays. And for more information on opportunities at Golden Apple Studio and Residency, email artist and director Shelly Stevens at snstevens at goldenapplestudio.com. That's S-N-S-T-E-V-E-N-S at goldenapplestudio.com. We at Art Ladders wish everyone a very happy holiday season. Enrollment is now open for our online classes and a link will be in the show notes. Thank you all for your support and we will see you in 2023. Happy New Year. Thank you for listening. You can find our past and future episodes at anchor.fm, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook page, Art Ladders, The Creative Climb with Valerie Allen and Armin Mersman. Special thanks to our producer, Taylor Kramer of Cold Shower Media. And check out our websites, ValerieAllenArt.com, ArminMersman.com. Stay creative, stay curious, and we'll see you next time.